And welcome back in another episode Stripe Show podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Now, that was the kind of Sunday that I like. Get up early in the morning, and uh, we got the European tour on. There's Saudi Arabia, Dustin Johnson, Tony Finau, a couple of Americans playing very well. Dustin, world number one, just clips off another win. I don't even think he made a putt. And uh, the guy just uh, gets another win. So impressive. We'll see him, of course, back in the United States here this week. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. We'll get to that later on in the week. But, of course, after that, then we get to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Uh, so cool to see fans out there cheering the guys on. Absolutely love that tournament. And out of nowhere, here comes the other bash brother, Brooks Kepka. Gets back in the winner's circle. Wasn't a major, I know, but uh, he looks focused. And uh, after three missed cuts in a row, gets back in the winner's circle. And then, of course, the Super Bowl. We've got Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs, 31-9. to Tom Brady, the GOAT, seven Super Bowl rings now. And to help us break it all down, I figured, you know, a guy that's uh, kind of anything and everything to Golf Digest, he does it all, folks. Daniel Rappaport, he joins me here on the podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It was a it was a fun Sunday for sure. I'm excited to relive it. So 31-9, you're a West Coast guy. Was that uh, did you have some money on the Bucks or how'd it go for you? I actually did have money on the Bucks. I was so go. bad. I was so bad at betting football all year that I thought to myself, <laughs> I thought to myself, every bone in my body, everything is telling me to take the Chiefs. I mean, I thought it was so <laughs> obvious. So I took the Bucks. Yeah. And it actually worked out this time. So it was a <laughs> You know, it's it's one thing. The Sunday scaries are one thing after the Super Bowl when you lose a bunch of money. It's it's the next level. When you win, it's a little bit less bad. You still feel gross with the with all the things in your stomach and the beer in your stomach, but it's a little bit less bad when you when you win enough money to cover what you spent on beer for the night. So that's good. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get to some betting. Is uh, you know the betting world, of course, is uh, is all over the place. It's been in the NFL for a while, but golf certainly embracing it. I tweeted out in the game. We'll get to the waste management here in a minute. But I tweeted out after I was like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is is for the first time probably starting to feel like what it's like to be a quarterback in the NFL when you don't have an offensive line. I was like, welcome to Russell Wilson's role. That dude's been running around for the last eight years of his life, and you got to block it up. Doesn't matter how good the kid is, um, you're running for your life. You, you just you can't get it done. And the defensive line of the Bucks, man, they just absolutely manhandled that dis that offensive line that had a couple guys down and. Tom Brady, we can say he's the GOAT. It's cool to watch right now the GOAT. I mean, you're watching, like, it's like watching Tiger, right? Or, um, you know, Michael Jordan. I mean, the best player to ever do it. Seven rings. I don't know how you argue that. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's one thing, his performance in, in and of itself and, and how well he throws the ball and reads the defenses, all that stuff. But, it's you know, the thing that's more impressive to me is that he just brings everybody around him up. I mean, as soon as he went there this year, there was a, a different vibe around the whole team. Everyone played so well yesterday. The offensive line was so good. He just seems to, his mere presence being there seems to inspire everybody else. I don't know if it's just his leadership quality. I don't know if it's just his presence. I don't, whatever it is, he goes to a team and, and it feels like a completely, a completely different organization uh, from the year before. So it was super impressive. And yeah, you're right. We've never seen Mahomes look like that. No. He's playing like a deer in the headlights. And it's true. <laughs> Nobody is above a bad offensive line no. in the NFL. And maybe that's something that the the odds or or the uh, prognosticators didn't factor in enough that the Chiefs were missing a bunch of a bunch of guys on their offensive line. And that obviously had a huge impact on the game, on the entire game. Yeah, it did. And you know, I was kind of waiting for a comeback, right? Like, okay, they're gonna 
the Chiefs are going to come back. Mahomes going to make some plays, but there's just he just had no time. I mean, there there just wasn't any time to to mount a comeback. And speaking of comebacks, as we transition to golf now, waste management, Phoenix Open, it, it looked like the perfect story for Jordan Spieth to come back after you know, over three years now of, of winning. And he certainly for the first time looked like himself on Saturday shooting 61, keeping the ball a little bit more in front of him, iron game on point, but the short game was ridiculous, making putts from everywhere, 16 and 17. Then he goes 72 on Sunday and it's a different comeback that captures the tournament. And that's Brooks Kepka, who of course had the surgery, took some time away He's come back. He's healthy. Yes, he's missed the last three cuts, but he, as he mentioned, he was playing better than that. What'd you take away from Kepka stealing the show late in Phoenix to win? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a comeback, like you said, just just not the one that we expected. Um, it was it was surprising, you know. I, I think no one really expected Brooks to fade like like Spieth has faded. I don't think we expect him to go through you know, multiple years of no wins and, and no top tens, but he was coming off three straight missed cuts. So there weren't really any signs of this turnaround. And then, you know, the breakup with Claude Harmon, you're wondering how he was feeling about his swing. Didn't look very inspired, but look, he was in it. And and when he's in it, he knows how to win. That's, that's the difference. I think the, the broadcast did a, did a really good job. And I think there was something about explaining how he was playing with James Hahn. And I think something about playing with James Hahn, James Hahn got out to a, the lead around the turn and Kepka was like four or five back. And then Han started making bogeys and, and Kepka there, they were saying he, he smelled blood in the water. I think having the guy who was leading in his group, making it into the sort of one-on-one mono mono competition that he likes to, you know, he was thinking like, I'm going to bury this guy. I'm going to bury this guy. And that's what he did. And then, you know, everyone, it, it seemed like there was, there were six or seven guys who had a chance to win. Um, and none of them really stepped up and made, and made birdies. Or if they did, they were too far back like Carlos Ortiz. Um, but Kepka got, got a chance there and he absolutely took it. That, that chip on 17 was not easy at all. No, uh, he lands that a, a yard short. It could come all the way down the hip, all the way back down to his feet. Um, but it's good to have him back. You know, I think he was, he was definitely starting to feel like the game not was passing him by, but he was kind of being left out of the conversation of who's the best player in the world. Who's a, a you know, a factor in the majors. Uh, and all it takes for a guy like him is one week. One good week, and you know, you know, he's going to be in it. I, I kind of remember last summer, uh, right before the PGA, uh, he finished second the week before, mm-hmm. and then he he was in it the next week. So he's able. He he had the or he was like two back after fifty four holes, and then ended up not playing well on Sunday. But he was in it. All it takes for him is one week. It feels like to kind of kick him back into gear. Um, so I think Brooks is back. Yeah, I watched him a fair amount at the American Express. I thought he. You know, he had the one bad swing there on the par three, hit in the water, made triple. And that was the reason that he missed the cut. Um, but, you know, three in a row, OHL, American Express, Farmers. I think when you look at his stats through those three, his putting was probably the silver lining. I think he was hitting it okay, just not kind of piecing it together and scoring enough and having that one big miss that led to the triple didn't help in Palm Springs. To your point, he did finish second at WGC, 29th at the PGA. We forget he was seventh at the Masters hobbling around. Um, you know, so this is a world-class player. We know as he gets back to healthy again. You know, I'm interested to get your take on this with, with Kepka. I, I, you know, I think he's such an interesting character to me. How do you, how do you think this win resonates with 
the core golf fan of the PGA Tour? How do you think the core fan views Kepka? Because he can come across, you know, he's kind of that jock, right? Mm-hmm. He can come across a little aloof, a little bit like you're wasting his time, you know, asking him questions. Um, he can be a little brash, a little overly confident. How do you how do you think this is viewed with the core golfer? He's like the cool guy. He's the he's the, like you said. He's he's too cool for school. You know, he's he's the the professional golfer who who would rather it seems like be doing anything besides playing golf. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah, player. But you know, I think it comes down to Brooks is a personality, and he's and he's unique. There's there's no one who really has that energy on the PGA Tour. Like you said, the jock. He kind of has brings the football player. You know, the high school football player energy. He's kind of walking through the the locker hall knowing that, uh, you know, he's the man. So I think it's good. I think, I think we need characters like him around. Anytime there's a character, Bryson's a character. Uh, you know, Spieth is, is obviously a character. Rory is a character. Even Reed, in, the, in you know, maybe mm-hmm. in sense for a lot of people. But he's a character. And, and we need character. We need three-dimensional personalities in this game. So I think whether you like him or not, you can appreciate that having his presence brings a, a different dynamic to, to the event and to to the professional golf scene. And I think maybe not the core golf fan, but the casual golf fan, I think really likes Brooks Mm -hmm. because he's kind of how they feel like they would be if they were a professional golfer. You know, I'm the cool guy. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm the jock. I play other sports. Um, So I think, yeah, I think even if you aren't the biggest Brooks fan, you, you can appreciate that having him there adds another character into a game that could use every character that I can get. Yeah. It's been Golf's rolling right now. I mean, it really is. And you got these guys coming back, you know, with Brooks and great sign with Spieth. We know he can move the needle a a little bit. Um, Someone that resonates with that core fan in a big, big way. Um, But Patrick Reed wins last week the way that he did. uh, We know that he's the villain. He embraces it. And then the jock wins this week and Brooks Kepka. I mean, it's just, it's, it's some good stuff right now um, in the game of golf. And we know it's thrived um, to some degree through COVID. Now the tour would like to see a, a lot more fans out there, right. And start getting some more revenue, which we saw, but all in all, I mean, besides that golf has some good things going right now with these characters. And I love it. You know, I, I think it's uh, I think it's fascinating. And, you know, DJ is another character. Um, that's just completely different. He's the number one player in the world. He's starting to separate right now a little bit as well. Wins in Saudi Arabia. I went on the record, Daniel, and said, look, what Brooks said at the PGA, I think ruffled DJ a little bit. I don't know how it couldn't. I mean, I don't know how he couldn't have just listened to that and been felt a little bit slighted here. And since that, I don't think it's a coincidence that he has just taken off DJ, focused Okay, I'll show you what's up. You know, here we go. So DJ has taken off, winning everything, Masters, number one player in the world. Brooks sees that. I got to get healthy. <laughs> I got to get back on my horse. And here's Kepka back in the winner's circle. Fair to say these two are good for each other and are motivating each other here in the last six to eight months. I think it's much more likely that Dustin is motivating Brooks than, than the other way around. All right. Uh, you know, I've spent a little bit of time with DJ recently, and my biggest takeaway from from him as a person is just he doesn't think like the rest of us do. The rest of us, <laughs> if, if there was some some guy who, you know, 
we were friends or whatever happened, used to be friends and the same trainer, the same coach. And then you know, he's talking trash the night before a major that, that would motivate us. That would be, that would become personal, but DJ's just wholly unbothered. He's just, there's just nothing, nothing phases him. He doesn't, he doesn't have time. He doesn't for, for narratives. It's just not, not really a part of his process. So I, I don't think that DJ thought more of that, that comment that he made at the PGA probably that I was just like, Oh, that wasn't very nice. You know, something like, and then that was it. I, I just don't think that he, he, he operates that way. I don't think he really gives a crap about what anyone else is doing period. Um, with Brooks, I think it's much more likely that, you know, Hey, they, they, he's emerged as the number one player in the world. I, you know, I've beaten this guy plenty of times. You know, I have four majors. He only has two majors. Why is everyone such a prisoner of the moment? Um, so I think it's much more likely that that Brooks is 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 finding motivation in Dustin's success uh, than vice versa. Something motivated DJ though. I mean, something clicked. You know, when you look at it, you go back here, and I think it's I mean, internal. I think it's internal. I think obviously he's motivated, of course. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that people have wrong about DJ. You know, that he doesn't care or that he doesn't try. You, you don't become number one in the world for as long as he has and anything that you do uh, without trying and without caring. I just think it doesn't come from wanting to prove something to, to Brooks or to the media or to the fans. I think it's internal. He knows he has all this talent. I think the Gretzky family has been huge for him in convincing him that he has all this talent and that he can be great. You know, sometimes people need to believe that they can be great. And I think he has that belief now. And I think it's motivated him to be much more disciplined in his practice and in his approach. So I think the motivation is there. Mm -hmm. Just don't comes from anyone besides him and his like core unit. He's very sort of family, my people, there's my yeah. people and everybody else. Yeah. You know, I see you go to the PGA where it started at, you know, he finished second, of course, was beat by Colin Morikawa. He was beat and Morikawa was just phenomenal on that Sunday. But then he goes, then he yeah. goes, listen to this run. And then he goes first, second, first, sixth, second, first, 11th, and now count Saudi Arabia first. <laughs> I mean, this guy is just on a tear right now. He is on a tear, I think, playing the best golf he has ever played. And he's going to come back to a place he knows well, Pebble Beach. And he's going to certainly be the favorite um, this week um, at AT&T, which will be, you know, not, not a great field. So he could. He could go out there and play like he has. He makes anything. Um, he really didn't make many putts at all in Saudi Arabia, and he could win by eight or nine. I mean, the way that he's hitting it right now. So I mean, it's not, it's not crazy to think he could have four wins by the Masters. Yeah, I mean, that's it's not. He's he's playing. Uh, you know, you're always wary to bring Tiger comparisons into there, but this is one of those runs now where it yeah. seems like every single week he tees it up. He's in the top three. Mm -hmm. So, no, I think it's a fair comparison. I really do. I think he's playing very much at that level. He may not be putting as consistently as Tiger did, you know, through that stretch, but I mean, if Ty if he's hitting the ball, I mean, incredibly well, it, it is, he grabs that driver and it just looks like he can swing as hard as he wants at it right now. And it would go straight. Unlike Jordan <laughs> Spieth, um, <laughs> as we segue from one of the greatest drivers in the game to one of the worst drivers uh, in the game, but uh, Spieth has to walk away from the Waste Management Phoenix Open feeling like he's taken some major steps in the right direction. I know he struggled Sunday, but he has to feel way more positive than negative, doesn't he, coming out of Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, that's he did it for three rounds. It's more rounds than he's done it in three years. I think he was either leading or 
close to the lead at Colonial last year after 36 holes, and then he kind of faded. So he hadn't had a 54-hole lead since the 2018 British Open. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, of, of, of course it's it's progress. I, I think he would have liked to have seen it be a little bit more simple in how it happened. You know, Saturday was a bit of a adrenaline-addled kind of roller coaster, chipping in and making 30-footers and 40-footers. So it didn't look easy, that's for sure. It didn't look... I don't want to say it's not repeatable, but it didn't, it didn't, you know, he's, you said when you watch Dustin, you're just like, it, it feels sort of inevitable that he's going to shoot 67, 68. It doesn't look that way with Spieth. And I think it caught up to him on Sunday. A two-way miss with the driver. He kind of has that like pole draw that he's hitting a lot. The one that went into the water on 15 that kind of doomed his chances. Um, I'm interested to see how he plays this week. He's also in the field at Pebble. Um, he's also had success there in the past. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think if we can see another top 10, it, it, it's important for him to put two together because he has had some some isolated top 10s over the past couple of years. Like I remember he finished third pretty randomly at Bethpage in 2019 and people were like, oh, you know, maybe he's back. And then he kind of didn't really do much the rest of the year. So I want to see him build on this. I want to see another top 10 this week. Yeah, he was um, he was ninth last year at the AT&T Pro-Am. Got a little room there at Pebble, you know, so... It's it that's a good spot for him considering how he's playing the game right now. He loses just under four strokes off the tee, and then he gains just under eight in the approach and four in putting. So just any reasonable um bit of driving the way that the young man can score. And that's always what I thought. He'll be back. He's gonna come back because he don't, he's a genius. He knows how to score. And it's just keeping the ball in front of him enough as he did on Saturday, and then off he went. And he played with Xander, who was tied with him on Sunday. And I'm a huge Xander Shoffley fan. I, I really am. And I just love watching him play the game. I'm not sure when Xander all of a sudden is hitting at 330 yards off the tee. Like, that just I almost fell off the couch on Saturday watching Xander Shoffley hit his driver. I was like, did he just carry that 325, Xander? Like, that's... Like, how, how, what just happened there? Like, when did he become in that realm of hitting it so far? But Xander, you look at what happened on Sunday, and then you just go one year back, Tony Finau, okay, right there, tied for the lead. You come into Sunday, Finau struggles, doesn't take advantage of any of the five or six remaining holes, which we know you can get it going, as Brooks did, played the last six, five under. And Webb Simpson makes a few coming in, catches them and beats them, right? So here's Xander, same situation. Um, the, the tournament is right there for him to control, and he doesn't, and he leaves the door open, stumbles in, shoots even par uh, like Finau did. I think Finau ended up one under the last on the last day. But a similar situation, leaves the door open, Brooks takes it, makes some, makes some things happen coming in. I look at Xander... Is Xander starting to go down this same path as a Finau here all of a sudden where we know he's a great player, he's got four wins, but is he starting to enter that discussion of, I hate to say it, but come on, you got to start putting some of these away. I thought the first shot, approach shot on one, Daniel, was a talent, was, a, was not a good sign. You know, that white wedge. Yeah, from the middle of the fairway, short right. You just don't see tour players hit that shot. Yeah, and then he hit one left. He missed the green left with a wedge. I think it was like five or six after yep. that. Yep. Um, not yet. I think. Okay. 
with, with Finau. But with one thing I wanted to mention, you said I like him him driving it so far. Also, Spieth was like cruising mid 170s ball speed, which I also was like, I saw I was like, damn, Spieth like that too? I guess mm-hmm. I'm old enough to remember when 180 was like a big deal. You know, and it's like, <laughs> it was like you'd see Rory and DJ at 182, and that was like, wow. And now we got Spieth. I think I saw one at 177 yesterday. So it just keeps getting longer and longer. But, um, no, with Zander, but but I think what one thing that's interesting with Xander is when you when you watch Finau talk about um, his near misses. I don't know if it's because he's just such like a smiley person. Um, he's one of those people who I think even if he was telling you that your that your dog died, he would be smiling not because he's happy, but that's just kind of like how he talks. Some people right. just smile when they speak. So when you watch him talk about his near misses, it feels almost I don't want to say like he's in denial, but like he's kind of trying to look at the positives and and kind of avoid going down that road when you when you watch Xander Xander is like very honest about it he's mm-hmm. like I, I need to win more my team and I are trying to figure out why I can't win why I'm not winning more yesterday after Brooks won he said I really I really admire the way that he closes when he when he has a chance to win he wins and my team and I are trying to figure out like how I can do that so I think he's extremely aware and I think I, I think last, going into this week he was number four in the world I suspect it's probably Still number, yeah, he's number four in the world. So when you're mm-hmm. number four in the world, the only guys ahead of you are, are DJ, Rom, and JT. You're you're definitely expected to win at least once or, or once or twice a year, and he expects that of himself. I think he, I, I really do think he's going to win more than once this year, and I think you know a major is definitely not out of the question. I, I think he probably will at least have a really good chance to win one this year, um, and he's still so young, so it's. It's not quite at the Finau level, mm-hmm. but he knows he needs to cross one off soon. Otherwise, it comes there because it's a real thing. These guys think about that stuff. Yeah, no, it is a real thing. And it's a fair discussion. I mean, because when people push back, they say, well, it's really hard to win on the PGA Tour. And no one's denying that. But from a discussion standpoint, when you look at these players, number four ranked player in the world, I mean, these are the highly skilled players, right? And Xander has zero weaknesses. You look at him statistically, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous statistically how good he is. From, I mean, I'm talking all 14 clubs in his back. There's nothing he can't do at the highest level on the biggest tour, the PGA Tour. And so what's, when you watch these guys, like a Finau and a Xander, they're so good, and they make so many birdies, and they manage their game, and they get themselves right there to win it. Like we've seen the last two years in the Waste Management Phoenix Open, and then situationally, they can't put it away, right? And that's why they don't win more is because situationally, Finau, bogey 16 and 17 in Saudi Arabia when he's right there to go head-to-head with Dustin Johnson and then birdies the last hole in the 18th and finishes T2. We've seen it over and over again with him. You know, we saw it in the desert earlier at, at the American Express. He was right there, I think, tied or one back and then drop kicks his three wood in the water on 11 on the par five. He should be taking advantage of the par five coming down the stretch. So it's like, it's all situationally And Xander. I thought a couple different times, you know, like, man, it was right there for him to just go capture it and take it and run. Like we've seen DJ do, like we see JT do, like we saw tiger, the guys that win a lot, the prolific winners. And that's the difference in how you capture that. I think it'll be interesting. I think Xander probably has more of that than than Fina, I would think. But you don't know. Like, maybe Fina does it, and then all of a sudden he just starts winning everything because they have it in them, right, to do it. It's just frustrating when they don't, and you see that white wedge, and you're like, where in the hell did that come from? 
<laughs> yeah, it's just I mean some, something changes definitely. That's that's the shortest. Like, something changes when they get you know, Xander shot eighteen under the first three rounds, made it look so easy. Yeah. And like you said, the first hole of the day, he wipes a wedge and misses the green. You know, that's not happening on Saturday. It's just it's just not. So something changes mentally. Whereas I think with guys like with DJ, I mean DJ more it probably has more top tens per year than Xander Shoffley, but not that many more. You know, it's not that he's that they're on completely different levels. It's just when DJ has a chance to win, he knows how to win and he closes the deal. And when he figures out a way, what I don't know if it's he doesn't have the same mental shift in his head or he knows how to process it better, but something changes when you get to the lead. Look at James Hahn. I mean, that yeah. we're not expecting James Hahn to perform at the level of Xander Shoffley or Tony Finau. But the guy gets a three-shot lead and then absolutely craps the bed. I mean, played <laughs> miserable from there on out. And what changed? It's not like he yeah. hurt himself. It's not like the wind kicked up. He just got the lead. It's not mm-hmm. a coincidence. Uh, I think Paul Eisinger said leaderboard gravity. It's definitely a real thing. Yeah. You know, I, maybe it's when you get close to the lead, you start, you stop looking ahead, and you start looking behind you. Whatever it might be, something changes, and and Shoffley and Finau both haven't figured out yet how to deal with that change help in a positive healthy way for their golf game rory mcelroy t13 64 on sunday just you know kind of a little bit more of what we've been seeing from rory which is you'll see some great shots and then you'll just see some really loose shots you know pulled wedges um what do you see with rory is he is he is he focused or what what's going on with rory um right now that you know let's face it he's not performing at the level that we know rory can perform on i think you you nailed it on the head i think pulled wedges you know it's it's statistically it probably doesn't boil down just to that but long left with the wedge is a very bad miss Mm -hmm. and he does it seems like once or twice around um you know i i remember going back to augusta uh last november he played the first two rounds with dj uh, and all the, it was so soft at Augusta. If you remember last fall, it wasn't the normal Augusta, you know, right. everything was, was land four irons were pitching and staying on the green. So they had, a lot, they had a lot of pins in the back to make it tough for the guys to get there. And Rory was hitting these wedges that were land, you know, these sky high wedges that were landing pin high and ripping back 25 feet while DJ was hitting these kind of piercing flat wedges that were taking a bounce, checking, and then kind of trickling out. And I just think that DJ and these, these guys at the top of their game, you look at the guys who are ahead of him, of Rory in the world rankings, DJ, Rom, JT, Shoffley, better wedge players than he is, better, yeah. better, better short games. Rory seems to lead the field in driving pretty much every single week. He tees it up unless Bryson's playing. And even when Bryson is playing, Rory, Rory seems to lead the field in driving. And his putting is not, you know, it's not best in the world, but it's not poor. He just, mm-hmm. if you look at his stats, I, I saw it on Twitter, like his approach is, so far this season from 125 to 150, 150, 175, he's like outside the top 100. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. It really does seem like it's, it's short iron and wedges. Yeah. It's uh it's been going on for a while. I mean, this is, you know, this has been happening here um, for a while. Just look at him statistically. He's had, you know, he's got one top 10 here in the last five starts after the U S open. Um, you know, this year we saw him at the farmers. He was 16th. And then waste management, thirteenth. So you know it was just a year ago. It was just a year ago. You look, he was probably the best player in the world. I think he was. Um, 
a year ago before COVID hit and was playing some exceptional golf coming off the win at the WGC HSBC, third at the Farmers, fifth at Genesis, fifth at Mexico, fifth at AP. I mean, he was playing some incredible golf and then COVID hit and he just hasn't been able to recapture what he was doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, I hate to be the baby guy, but having a young baby at home probably changes things to some, oh, sure. you know, I don't have one, but I know you do. Um, and I, I imagine it's, it's a, it's another thing demanding a lot of time and attention. Um, so who knows? I, you know, he, he hits it so well that he's, he's going to continue to make pretty much every single cut. I think he has the longest, I think it's like 25 in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you drive it as well as he does, you're, you're almost never going to miss a cut. So he's going to have chances. And in one of these weeks, he is going to, you know, whether it's going to be the greens are hard, so it doesn't spin off or, you know, something's going to, something's going to line up for him and he's going to win pretty soon, but he needs to improve his short iron play. If he's going to get back to number one in the world, because him and Dustin, you know, you put both of them in the fairway, 140 yards out and your money's on Dustin every single time. They need to play the Ryder cup right now because the Americans are playing better. (laughs) I feel like it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. (laughs) I think the euros are going to be tough this year, man. I think. Oh yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I mean, we have so much good golf coming up and it's going to be fascinating. And and there's just so many, there's always the, the depth we know is there, but it's just, it just feels like there's so many cool things bubbling up right now in golf. Um, it's such a great time. we got a good stretch coming. Of course, two more on the West coast. It's been a great West coast swing. Then they come over here to where I'm at in Florida, you know, and you, you got to buckle up over here cause you're going to be challenged with some tough golf courses. Um, when you come over to the Florida swing and the players, you know, we're actually going to get to see that they're going to have some fans. Um, and then of course we do it all over again at the green jacket, um, in the masters. So it just gives me chills really thinking about what's happening in the game. It's fun to follow and it's just a good time right now. And I want to throw one more name at you. All right. Before I let you go, one more name at you as we, as we look ahead here, um, into, this great stretch of golf. And this young man is playing some, some really good golf. I had him on the podcast actually after the U S open. And, um, and, and he was on the podcast when he found out that he got into the next week at Corrales. Oh, and then awesome. I told him, and I told him, I said on the pod, I said, do you realize you are going to be the favorite? And he said, what? <laughs> I said, you'll be the favorite. Will's out Taurus. He's the real deal, man. This kid can go with his, I mean, he can hit the golf ball, his putter, a little bit of a question mark. I, I get it. We'll see. Let him learn the surfaces and the courses. But he has been really impressive, Daniel Will Zalatoris. I I want to know. I saw that he broke into the top fifty in the world rankings this week. I want to know if he's the first player ever to be inside the top fifty without having a PGA or European Tour card. He still isn't like a full member. He doesn't have a. No. He's not FedEx Cup points list um, because of the the wraparound season for. For the Corn Ferry Tour and, and and for COVID, you know they didn't take away any PJ Tour cards, so he's not even a PJ Tour member. He's still getting in mm-hmm. on executives and top ten stuff. Um, but yeah, top fifty in the world right now. I have a semi hot take about Will Zalatoris. I think he has a chance to make the Ryder Cup team. I really do. I mean, he's forty fifth in points right now, and I don't know what his what kind of starts he's going to get going forward because he's he still doesn't have. I would think he's probably close to special temporary or or something. So I think he'll still get starts, but like he's. And actually, he's probably in the WGC now because of his world ranking. So he's yeah. got he's got some chances. I think he he's the kind of guy who 
I feel like match play, he he makes so many birdies. <laughs> you know, I feel like he's just completely fearless. Also, maybe the skinniest legs I've ever seen on the PGA Tour. I don't know if it's just because I don't know if it's just because you in the past guys whose legs were that skinny were smart enough to wear pants that weren't skin tight. But he has the skinniest legs I think I've ever seen. It's always jarring seeing him. Um, but yeah, absolutely fearless. The putting stroke kind of makes me nervous. The super close stance, pencil grip. I don't, I don't know. But from a ball striking perspective, totally fearless. Like a modern modern player hits it a long way, flies it really high, super aggressive. You know, he's big in the, in the, in the Scott Fawcett decade mindset of, of, yep. of he's all in on that strategy stuff. So he's a guy who makes a ton of birdies and he's a guy that I wouldn't want to play against for sure. Especially in like a best ball format where he can just go balls to the wall, fire at every pin. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Just go, just hit it. I mean, he, look at these stats. I mean, he is, let's see, 26 strokes gain off the tee, fourth in approach. Um, he is 57th around the green and 107th in putting. I would think his tee, to green, his tee to green is probably like in the 15s or he's fourth. Fourth. Tee to green. This kid can go. I mean, I'm telling you, he's long in his approach game. It's it's exactly as advertised, right? I watched him on the Cornberry Tour. Talked to a lot of guys about him as he was, you know, coming out here on some of these invites and whatnot. And they were like, look, this kid can strike the golf ball. I mean, he can pierce it. Watch. And it's been, everything is advertised is putting. We'll see. He, he can have some good moments. He can have some bad moments. Let's give him some time, but let's face it with those kind of numbers, the way he hits it, um, a good putting week, he's going to win. I mean, he is going to win because you've got to be able to strike your golf ball to have staying power right on the PGA tour, as we know. And he has it. He is his, his strength is in the approach game. And it's just an incredible run. I mean, he just comes out like, how you doing? Sixth at the U.S. Open, you know? Then he goes eighth, fifth, sixteenth. Got a seventh in there at the Farmers. Seventeenth at the Wasteman. I mean, just like he's a seasoned veteran out there, just yeah, putting up top twenties like it's nothing. He's giving them no no choice but to but to give him starts, but to but to you know he's he's basically elbowed his way into being a PGA Tour player. So it's it's very impressive. I'm gonna watch that, Daniel. You're the first one to go on the record. Will Zal Torres has a chance to make the Ryder Cup. I think he does. He's the captain's pick, man. I think he's he yeah. definitely would would inject some life into that team. Well, Stricker um, certainly uh, saw it firsthand. He was there and he played extremely well. He, he beat him this week by a couple. He did. I was just going to say, yeah. Steve Stricker is actually a little further up on the leaderboard than um, Will Zalatoris, and it's cool to see Steve out there. He's going to be a great captain. Um, Padraig, they, of course, they played together. He's the captain of the European Tour. I mean, it's just going to be fascinating to watch they need to play it now though because the americans are, are playing some are playing some really good golf so we'll see how it transpires here um throughout any um early takes for i know you're heading up to um at&t you're up the road there uh, yeah. you'll be there all week what what uh any early takes on uh on dustin. my fantasy team dustin i really think i mean i need to okay. like, <laughs> you know i know it's not, it's yeah. not he's plus, he's only plus 400 i saw okay which is really low odds but like i think if he wins this week Coming back from from Saudi Arabia, it would be like his fifth win in his last I don't know eleven starts or something something wild. Yep. You know, that sounds right. Yeah. There's gonna be those there's gonna be those those Tiger comparisons and 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 you know as we head into Florida and Augusta, I'm 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 rooting for him for him this week. I I, I just think it's it's good for us to have someone like that who is who is kind of pushing everybody to be their best because he's that far ahead. He's his lead over number two is bigger than. 
bigger than his lead over Rom in the world rankings is bigger than Rom's lead over over Kepka, who's number twelve. Yep. So he's starting to distance himself a little bit. He is. He's definitely the number one player in the world, and it's been a while since we've seen someone distance themselves. So Daniel, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Have a great week. Yep. At Pebble Beach, take some pictures. Um, send them to us. You can you can follow him. Give him a follow on Twitter. He's a good follow at Daniel underscore Rappaport. Is that right? That's right. That's right. One P R A P A P O R T. And you can also uh, read his stuff and the podcast on Digest. What's the name of the podcast, Daniel? Podcast is called Local Knowledge, and that's on Digest, right? Golf Digest. It's it's through Golf Digest. That's right. It's every yeah. every other Monday. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Let's uh, let's have another good week. If you make it out to Florida, let me know. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.